to give a better or more organized introduction than I would, it says Dr. Nadia McHale was born in Egypt and came to Canada in 1970. She is a medical doctor and special specialized in pathology. She underwent her medical training in Egypt, England, and Canada, and spent over 20 years in practice at the University of Ottawa Medical Center and hospitals and nearly nine years as Director of Education at the Royal College of Physicians and, Sur Physicians and Surgeons of Canada. She was married to Dr. Bushra McHale for over 47 years until he was called home to heaven in 2012. Together, the McHales served the Lord in various ministries in North America and all over the world. They particularly enjoyed hosting the Lord's people in their home and conducting Bible studies. Natty is a frequent women's conference speaker and leader of Bible studies. She enjoys mentoring and dis discipling young women in the faith. She has two sons and daughters in love and three granddaughters with whom she loves spending time with. Nadia. Well, good evening. Oh, you could do much better than that. Good evening. Good evening. Nobody's allowed to go to speak tonight. Well, it is a real thrill for me to come back to PEI. My friends were saying, you're going back to PEI? I said, yeah. I hear they've ordered some uh, nice weather and uh, <laughs> some lobster. <laughs> uh, well, hope spring eternal. It may come, <laughs> right? <laughs> I am really thrilled, uh, one, because I know so many uh, faces, and uh, excuse me if I uh, don't remember names, but I was just telling one of the young ladies, I remember faces, but names sometimes, you know, it's tough, especially when you get to be 21 like me, you know, 21 plus 50 years experience, you do the math. <laughs> It is my privilege to uh, share with you what the Lord has put on my heart. And that is a phrase that comes from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's a very important phrase, and it applies to each one of us here today. It's not only found in the Bible, and if you want to, it's found in Matthew, uh, in Luke chapter 10 and verse 42. And for reading, we can go to uh, verse 41. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. One thing is needful. Now, knowing that I'm a pathologist, I don't do autopsies on the weekend, so you can rest assured. I don't do, and, and I'm retired anyway, so I don't do those. Um, but I like to dissect the statement. And I want to see how it applies to you and me today. Luke chapter 10 and verse 42. And it says, one thing is needful. So, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I wonder how this applies to me and you today. So I went digging back, and the only way I know how 
is when I get a statement like this, I go back to the good old book, the Bible. You know what? Because this is the word of God. This is inspired in its entirety from Genesis to Revelation by God himself. It was breathed by God. So it's a message from God to you and me. So one thing is needful. I really want to find out more, Lord. So I'm going to go back into your own word and find out where else does it say and how can I learn more about it and dissect it into pieces to find out if it's relevant to me today or not and why is it relevant and are there any cautionary notes I should take because he cautioned Martha her sister and you know this was when the Lord Jesus Christ was on earth and he went to a certain village and was invited in the house of Mary and Martha but my Bible says in verse 40 Martha was cumbered about serving and came to him and said Lord dost uh, thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone bid her therefore that she help me and the Lord's answer to her was Martha Martha you're anxious about and troubled about many things but one thing is needful you see you can even be busy in doing God's work in doing good works but it's not good works that is needful the good works come later on 17 times in the Bible we read this phrase one thing so I looked them up and I want to find out with you tonight what is applicable to you because you are either one of those that doesn't understand it like I did when I first read it or understands it but is not really challenged by it like I am now challenged by it myself so whichever category let's look deeper to see why is it important to recognize that one thing? Five times in the Old Testament and 12 times in the New Testament. And you know, when I studied them all, I found out that I can divide those into two categories. One category says characteristics of God. And the other category is my response to the characteristics of God. So I have a message for each one of you today, and it comes right from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and it's found in his precious book. So now Joshua 23, 14 says, Behold this day I am going the way of all the earth, and ye know in all your hearts and all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things the Lord your God spake concerning you, all are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. What do I learn from that? I learned that the God of the Bible, his goodness never fails. I fail. He never fails. 
There are lots of gods. I grew up in a country where there were so-called many gods. And I had to make a choice when I was a young 14-year-old girl. Which god will I follow? And believe me, after a lot of exciting questions and inquisitive young girls' findings, I found that there is only one true God. There's only one God that said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes unto God the Father but by me, and that was Jesus Christ. There is no other God but the triune God of the Bible. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one. This is my God. This is the God whose goodness never fails. And then I go to Job chapter 9, verse 22, and this it says, This one thing, therefore I said it, he destroys the perfect and the wicked. My God treats all humans the same. There is no favorites with him. He loves everybody. Do I really know that? Yes, I do. God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's my God. He treats everybody the same. There's only one door to heaven. There's only one God to worship. And there is only one way to him, and that is through Jesus Christ, the Lord. He treats all humans the same. And then if I go to Ecclesiastes 3.19, I find out that God controls life and death. Even one thing befalleth them, as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above the beast. All is vanity. God controls life and death. I thought all my life, living with the man I loved for 47 years, that I'll go before him. The Lord had another purpose. When I get there, I will ask him, and I know I'll get my answer. But you see, life and death is not for us. I had 10 major surgeries. I faced death so many times. I was in poor health and, and, and. So I thought, I'm going to die first. And he was the epitome of health. Treadmill every other day for two hours a day and uh, fit as a fiddle went in for a routine chest, uh, routine x-ray and, and some tests, and then found out he was cancer, and within 18 months he was gone. Life is not predictable. I lost my father when I was four. Doesn't make sense. Didn't make sense to me. Lost a brother who was shot in the war at the age of 20. Yeah, according to psychiatrists, I should be a basket case. Well, thank the Lord I'm not. And the only reason is because my God controls life and death. And I believe it, that he doesn't make mistakes. Not only God's goodness never fails, not only God treats all humans the same, not only God controls life and death, but the Lord Jesus Christ, who is 
God manifest in the flesh has the authority and ability to do all things he said it himself in Matthew 21 24 when he said one thing what authority I do these things he's asking those that doubted him he has authority to do all things so these are the characteristics of my God the one who said one thing is needful to Martha and Mary has chosen that now also one thing is very clear to me from scripture in Luke chapter 6 verse 9 he says I will ask you one thing is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil to save life or to destroy it who can give life and destroy it who are you trusting your life in his hands today I know who I'm trusting my life I trusted him when I was 14 and never looked back have you come to a time in your life when you trusted God with your life you see he's the ability to save you or destroy you at the end of life there is he didn't create robots by the way he created us with free wills whosoever will may come that means you have to make a decision and if you've never made that decision we're praying that you do that decision tonight to choose the one God the one thing that is needful and that is God Jesus Christ the Lord who died on a cross because of you and of me he loved you so much that he came from heaven's glory to this terrible world and died on a cross why because he loves you nothing else nothing in us is worth it nothing we can do to repay him except give him our lives because he controls life and is, is able to save and destroy at any time he's the only source of wisdom the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 20 verse 3 and 4 he said unto them I will ask you one thing and then he talks about the baptism of John and was it from heaven or from men you see some people doubted him some people were still questioning him like we are today we think this was in the olden times well I hate to tell you there are people until today that are questioning what's the meaning of life what's the meaning of death why should I how come all those questions I've encountered myself and there are many others that are uh, being questioned about your own life but you see you're not in charge of anybody else you're in charge of your own self you're going to give account on your own self that's what my Bible says as much as I love my children and grandchildren and yes they are wonderful but they had to make the decision themselves each one has to make the decision herself and you have to make a decision tonight 
which path are you following? The one who is, as we said, never fails his goodness, is, treats all humans the same, controls life and death, and is the only way to, go to heaven, and has the authority to, to do all things, and to uh, save and to destroy uh, any time, and ha is the only source of wisdom, tell me what other religion can give you all this. Excuse me. Tell me who else can do that. Which God are you following tonight? My God is able. My God is willing. My God loves me to the extent that he sent his beloved son to die for me. And the only thing I had to do was accept his free gift of salvation. Not only he washed my sins away, my past sins, but gives me now, he lives in me. My Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes as soon as I make that decision, comes and lives in me and helps me to overcome sin. But you see, we still have the flesh until we die. And sometimes the flesh clashes with the spirit. We want to do things and we don't do them. But the only way to get this conquering spirit is to allow God the Holy Spirit to take control. To give him the steering wheel of your heart. Not to put him in the back seat, which many a times we do. And the Lord Jesus, the most important one, 2 Peter 3, verse 7 and 8. One thing that the Lord is coming again to judge. He may come tonight. We may not have the retreat. I believe it. He may come tonight. Or you may be called home tonight. I may never go back to Toronto. I'm ready. I know where I'm going. Are you ready? Do you know where you're going? Is it because I'm good? No. Is it because I uh, read the Bible and know something about the Bible? No. Is it because I go to a Bible chapel? No. The only thing that is going to be judging me is, do I have the stamp of Christ or not? Have I given my life to Christ or not? It's as simple as that. It's not of works lest any man should boast. Martha was trying to please the Savior by doing all sorts of things for him. And he's saying, no, 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 Martha. Mary has chosen the one thing that is needful, the closeness to her Savior. She sat at his feet, learning from him, loving him, pouring her ointment on him, preparing for his burial. What a wonderful testimony this woman was. She chose the one thing that was needful, closeness to her Savior. So, okay, fine, these are all the characteristics of God, and these are the ones we expect from the teachings of the Bible. What are the possible responses? Well, if we go back to Mark 10:21 or Luke 18:22, the Lord Jesus himself looked at the uh, rich young ruler and said to him, 
one thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. The most important thing is not to be occupied by the world. The most important thing is not be devoted to my job, my family, my home. They're very good things. I'm not saying go destroy all these things. But I'm saying where are your priorities? Where does your day start? Is it really busy with all the works that you have to do? Or is it with a quiet time with your Lord and Savior? Having made the decision, or have you made the decision? Can you pinpoint a time in your life when you have really made the decision to follow Christ? Follow me. You know, people, we get caught about, you know, selling you whatever you have, give to the poor. But you see, my Lord is very particular. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Follow me is the key in that verse. Follow me. Who are you following tonight? How you feel? What your family does? What the world around you tells you? Or is it the God of the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ who loved you and gave himself for you? Only you can answer that question. I cannot answer it for you. I'd love to, but I can't. You have to answer that question. You see, I can give lip service to the Lord, but I lack devotion and be occupied by worldly things. But my Lord says, follow me. Some people were confused in Acts 19.32 and Acts 21.34. One thing and some another from the assembly were confused and the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. And some cried one thing, some another among the multitude. And when he could not know the certainty of the tumult, he commanded him to be carried uh, into the castle. What a disastrous ending if we know the truth and we turn around from it. And we pretend to be confused. Oh, well, I don't know which. Well, I was confused when I was a little kid. We had Jews, Muslims, uh, um, you name it. We had every, every denomination. There are 56,000 denominations in Christendom, by the way. And I didn't know what was true, except when I started digging and realized the only truth is this book, because it's inspired by God. If it's not in this book, it's not important. It may be nice. It may be pleasant, but it's not important. What's in this book is important. And it's not confusing. It's very simple. The blind man recognized him as the one who opened his eyes in John 9:25. He says, he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or not, I, I do not know. One thing I know, 
that where I, whereas I was blind, now I can see. Tell me who in the history of man has ever opened the eyes of a blind man except Jesus Christ? Who is unique in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his claims, in his actions on earth, but Jesus Christ? Who said that he is the only way to heaven? So are you heaven bound today? I know I'm going to heaven. Do you? I know based on the authority of the word of God. Not because I'm good. But, but God said so. Those that follow me. Those that believe in me. Those that commit their life to me. They will be with me in heaven. You see. I want to be like Mary. She was thirsty, she was needy for his word, spent time in prayer and Bible study at his feet. One thing is needful. Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her, closeness to the Lord. I want to challenge the believers tonight too. How close are you to the Savior tonight? You claim to be a Christian? How close are you? Are you so busy even in the Lord's work like Martha was? Are you more of a Martha than a Mary? My Lord said she chose the better part. Follow me, he said. Paul said in Philippians 3.13, I count myself to have, apprehended, to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forget those things which are behind and reach forth unto those things which are before. You don't have control over yesterday. Yesterday's gone. But you do have control over tomorrow. What will you do with your life? Where are you in regards to Jesus Christ the Lord? Are you following him? Have you committed your life to him? Do you really like his presence and are in close communion with him? Or are you busy with the worldly affairs and they take priority over everything else? I like Psalm 27 and verse 4. And it says this, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. There's a man who had sinned. There's a man, David, who had not done everything right in his life. And who has? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, my Bible says. We're all sinners. We all start at the same basic platform. Sinners needing salvation. And saints needing refreshing. You see, the one thing that David wanted was dwell in the presence of the Lord, behold the beauty of the Lord, meditate in admiration 
on all that he has seen and heard. What about you and me? What are we interested in? Everything in the world, like somebody was talking to me very recently and said, um, oh, you know, you have so many uh, accolades and, and um, recognitions and whatever. And I said, yeah, they're all wrapped up in a box in the basement. They're not important anymore. All the degrees I worked so hard for, all the stuff that I accumulated over the years, they're in all in a box in the basement. <coughs> but the thing that dwells forever is my relationship with Christ. This is going to... Yes, it starts here on earth, but will continue for eternity. That's a degree that I am very thankful for because I didn't earn it by sweat. As an international medical graduate, I had to do my training three times, both in Egypt and England and in Canada, and then examinations, do the American exam, do the Canadian exam, do the license exam, do the specialist exam, do this exam and this, this exam. But when I got saved, all it took was get on my knee and say, thank you, Lord, for dying for me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. That was all. But I meant it. Not only by here, but by here. There's 12 inch between those two. I measured that I'm a pathologist, you know. <laughs> Many have said they believe but really, I want to challenge your heart. Where is your heart in comparison to Jesus Christ? Martha believed, but she was occupied by all sorts of things. She let other things take up her time and devotion. Where is your devotion? Where is your heart from Jesus Christ tonight? Is really the challenge. You see, when thou said, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Again, Psalm 27, verse 8. What does it mean, really? You know, we, we can only think of God in terms applicable to man, and these are the highest we have or we can at present. So we read different parts of the human body applied to God, uh, feet in progress, uh, hand in work, uh, arm in strength, uh, mouth in speech. But the face of God means his presence. That was the thing that Mary chose, his presence. How many times do we miss on our daily devotion days, times, because we are so busy with things that will soon die away? You see, the word face really is the person and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a pleasant day it will be when we shall see him face to face. I'm looking up for that day. I'm looking forward to it. And it may happen today. And I'm ready. Are you? Do you love his appearing? Or, wait, Lord, you know, there are a few closets that I have to clean up in my house and 
a few places that I don't want you to see right now, I got to fix those. Leave those behind. Just seek his face. Seek his presence. It'll give you rest, it'll give you power, it'll give you protection, it'll give you joy, it'll give you courage, it'll give you success, it'll give you heaven at the end of life. And by the way, I have a reference for each one of those. These are not my words. I'm just passing them on to you. They are God's words. God's will. Are you seeking God's will or desire or purpose for you? Or I want to do this my way. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I want to do things my way. Teenagers, right? No. I think it's everybody. Not only the teenagers. We always blame it on the teenagers. But really, it is our attitude sometimes. We want to run our life our way. Oh, you can have your religion. I have mine. Well, I'm here just to warn you. I'm just here, a voice, telling you what God says. You can take it. Or you can leave it. It's your choice. And you know what? My God knocks at the door. Behold, I stand and knock at the door. If any man opens for me, I'll come in. So he's waiting at your door, at your heart's door, waiting for you to let him in. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself in. You have to let him in. by accepting his claims on your heart and your life. It's wonderful to see God's presence and God's will and God's character in the word of one thing. Beholding him. You know, right now we see partly things. As Paul puts it in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, when I behold the Lord, when I am occupied by Him, when I am at His feet, when I am at His presence, when I am at the meetings, when I am in the Word of God, when I am communicating with Him in prayer, and that's when I'm going to change to become more like his son. That's the promise of God. Because that's the ultimate picture of each one of us that he wants. To be transformed into the image of his dear son, as my Bible says. To behold the beauty of the Lord. Well, we always go to the Lord in trouble. In times of trouble, even if we don't believe, on the news it says, oh well we'll pray for so and so, the tragedy that occurred in I don't know what country and so on and so forth. Oh God be with them or Godspeed and, and so on and so forth. Even the people who don't even know the name of God. We recognize God only in disasters sometimes. But that's not what David says in Psalm 27 verse 6. He says, mine head be lifted up. He's confident. There's a man who is confident that the Lord will lift him up. He's confident that the Lord will interfere in his situation. Is 
my confidence in my Lord as David's was? Or is it wavering? When I get my way, we're always happy. But when he says no, or not right now, or wait, or no, I'm going to take you on another detour somewhere else, we start becoming edgy and fidgety. But the challenge for me and you here is to dwell in his presence, under his feet, learning more about his book, about his word to me, learning more by spending time with him in prayer and gathering with other of like faith to strengthen one another. How? He says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Look, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. Brother Jude says in chapter 1 verse 21. But there comes another response, and that is obedience. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. They shall walk in the light of thy countenance. That means you obey his word. Sometimes we like reading the word. We like knowing the word. We like preaching the word, but we're not obedient to the word of God. And my Lord says there are only two ends to human life. Heaven and hell. Nobody likes to talk about these things anymore. But my Bible says that. And we're either bound to one or the other. There's no in between. That's what my Bible teaches. And you, only you know where your end is going to be based on your obedience to the word of God the one thing that is needed is to seek the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation if you have never done so so that you would obtain eternal life by confessing Christ as Lord and Savior and personal growth with all your hearts, minds, and souls by meditating and obeying his word and keeping in close fellowship with him. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. With all my heart, the psalmist said in Psalm 119.10, I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. My prayer for you tonight is that the Lord grant that we diligently and continually seek him in our daily lives and make him the center and desire of our hearts not only in times of trouble as we usually do but as a daily exercise of our lives as we await his soon return and if you've ever if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior may it be the night that you do so tonight if you want to speak to me or any of the ladies that have name tags, please do. Don't leave this place without certainty of what your eternal status is going to be.
Our most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we bow to give you thanks at the end of this day for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his love. We thank you for his word that teaches us that he gave his life to ransom ours. We thank you for this love that took him to Calvary's cross. We thank you that he not only stopped at the cross, but he died and was buried, but rose again and now is seated in the highest of heaven at the right hand of God the Father. We thank you for the promises in your word. We pray, Lord, for every lady that is here. You know the hearts, you know the needs. We don't, but you do. We pray, Lord, for thy Holy Spirit to touch each heart. For those who have never made a commitment to Christ to do so tonight. And may it be our joy to rejoice with them as they enter into the eternal life. And we pray, Lord, for every believer that is bowed here, that you would strengthen our um, hearts, that we would put him as a priority in our life, to seek his face, to choose this one thing that Mary chose, to be at his feet in learning from him, from his word, in prayer communication, and in fellowship with other believers, that we may bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.